All right, well, good morning. It's good to be in church here this morning. We had an interesting uh, little happenstance happening Wednesday night watching the uh, State of Origin game. And my daughter, Lydia, we arrived here uh, in 2004, and my son James was about eight months old when he first uh, moved here to Australia. Daughter Lydia was born in New South Wales, so she was uh, down in Wollongong. Yeah, so <laughs> we were sitting on the lounge watching this game, and it was three against one. And my wife and I and James and Lydia was going, go blues, go blues. She was getting to it. And I uh, said, so Lydia, and I looked at this, you know, you got to keep it down, man. So, uh, but it was good. It's good to be a Queenslander. I've been in Queensland now for about, uh, well, let's see, about uh, since 2007, about 12, 13 years now. So it's good to be a part of the Sunshine State. Thank you so much for your prayers for our ministry. Of course, we're based out of uh, New Beginnings Baptist Church in Mango Hill. And we have the Australian Outback Mission. And we had a bit of an update, like Pastor mentioned, uh, during the last hour. It's exciting to see the Lord is doing out in the western parts of Queensland. Thank you so much again for your support in that. And right now, uh, they had a service, and they're having a service right now in Eidsville Baptist Church. Uh, Pastor Phil Hedger is there uh, leading that service. And so we thank the Lord for him. Of course, he was here during a leadership conference a few months ago, and we thank the Lord for him and the work there. Also, church happening at Bible Baptist Church in Mergen, and then also Tarum Baptist Fellowship in Tarum, which is uh, past Toowoomba, if you're familiar with that highway at all heading out that direction. So uh, we thank the Lord for what he's doing out in the West, and uh, we just uh, look forward to more things the Lord has for us in the future. And just a way of announcement, on September, I believe the 20th, the second week of school holidays, we're having a large evangelistic outreach at Word for the West. And uh, we're teaming up with Pastor Bill Highland there in Sunshine Baptist Church and heading out West and probably two or three other churches. Possibly looking to have a team of maybe 35, 40 at the stage, uh, evangelizing Roma surrounding towns, so if you're interested in coming out for that, please uh, let me know. Luke chapter 13 this morning, take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 13, and before we read this uh, text, I want to encourage you in your Christian life this morning as, uh, by the way, as the Apostle Paul says in the book of Galatians, uh, to walk in the Spirit, and I've been doing a bit of a study on that in particular uh, for the folks out west and for my own personal study about walking in the Spirit, and uh, the Christian life is that, it's walking. It's walking one step at a time. It's, it's, not a, uh, it's not a sprint, it's not a run, it's a walk day by day, and uh, living by faith in Jesus Christ. And let me encourage you, as uh, it's a whole nother thought uh, tied into here, as we, as we walk the Christian life day by day, um, the bottom line to that is you ask Walk in, the Bible says walk in the Spirit, and that implies resistance. There's going to be resistance as you walk in the Spirit. And uh, to understand, the bottom line of that is simply thinking biblically in your Christian life. And this morning, I want to kind of give you a, a passage here and to help you maybe change your viewpoint on a certain thing in, in the biblical viewpoint. As you walk in the Spirit, the Christian life day by day, we need to think biblically have a biblical viewpoint. Now, we all have a viewpoint on life. We all have a viewpoint on the world's uh, happenings and circumstances. We all have a certain view and the theology philosophy that we embrace, our own personal, whether it's humanism, whether we have our own ideas of what's happening around us, relationships. Let me encourage this morning, though, we need to think biblically. Every answer to life's issues are found in God's Word. And I was speaking to the young people at the, uh, the school class a few weeks ago. And it's like putting on a pair of glasses. When you, when you uh, wear glasses, uh, a pair of uh, spectacles or glasses, you know, when you, when you see something without them, it looks fuzzy. But when you put your glasses on it, you see things clearly. 
And as Christians, we can put on the glasses of humanism. Uh, we can put on the glasses of biblical perspective. And let me encourage you this morning as we uh, look at life and go through life, as we walk in the Spirit, let's put on the glasses that the Bible gives to us. Have a biblical perspective of life. And uh, let's read this uh, this verse here. But before we do, I just want to give you a few opening uh, thoughts here this morning. And I guess you want to title this message. It's a, the title would be, What God's Message Is Through Tragedy. What God's Message Is Through Tragedy. And, uh, you know, we live in a very dangerous world. A very dangerous planet. You know, we are not that we had a choice where we were born. But, uh, you know, we're here here on this earth, and we live in a very dangerous place. And sometimes you think, well, it'd be better on Mars. we better, you know, you kind of wish sometimes you send somebody, you know, some of your deal with send send them out to a different planet. Uh, But, you know, we're living on a very dangerous planet. And, uh, you know, we do a lot of things in modern society and technology to try to protect ourselves and minimize the danger. You know, there's there's food safety. There's uh, safety in medication. There's safety in building uh, protocol. There's safety in airplanes. There's a lot of things that we do. And thank the Lord for modern technology. And uh, things that we try to make, the first thing that usually goes out uh, in the mindset is safety. What can we do to make this safe? And so there's a lot of things, a lot of standards we have in life today that uh, do control and limit disasters and catastrophes. But we still have things that are happening. And uh, tragedies and and, uh, cataclysmic events that happen that uh, often ask, we ask ourselves in our heart, why does this happen? What, you know, what is the message in this for us? And in fact, we live in a society today unlike any in the past. It's, it's a world of media, mass communication, a world of overexposure to relentless visual images and enhancements. I mean, we actually walk with the news with us in our phone. We get news updates, and we're constantly being bombarded by information, tragedies, and, and cataclysmic events across the world. was an earthquake, uh, a cyclone, uh, a building collapse, or, you know, uh, a little toddler got lost up in, in Northern Territory recently. A plane crash happened off the Gold Coast recently. All these things are constantly bombarding us, and it's, it's always, it's with us. We don't live in an isolated world anymore. We live in a world of instant communication. Something happens across the world in Europe or Africa, we know it immediately. It's in our hands. It's in our, it's in our laptops, our computers, our phones. It's, it's always there. And so we often get pressured, and we almost live through this vicariously. We're not there, but we live through it. We, we understand the hardship people are going through. You, you read of that uh, recently happened here in Queensland, that, that family, the, the lady and her four children, just totally got in a car accident and lost the whole family. A tragedy, a heartbreaking incident, heartbreaking tragedy. And these things are constantly bombarding us, and we think, what, what is God trying to say to us? What, what is going on in the world today? What is happening? And, and we may think these calamities are, are more frequent than ever before, but the truth is, they have always have been around. The fact is, we just, just as of the last 15, 20 years, have we been getting modern technology to pump us all this stuff. And so we're, we're being pressured. We're being, we often feel burdened in this, this tragedies that happen in life. So what's the message, and why do these things happen? We often ask ourselves, what does it mean? How is it that such bad things can happen to good people? And we may be very familiar with these type of questions, and, and, uh, but we understand that everybody dies. We know that. We're not talking about that. We're, we're talking about uh, calamity. We're talking about unexpected, inexplicable uh, 
tragedy and death. Something falls on you and it crushes you. You get an illness you couldn't that, that you never had before and it takes your life. It takes your loved one's life. What, what, what's, what, what's God saying in all of this? Let me tell you that the Jews had a theology about this. They, they, had, an, they had a bit of a thinking a perspective on this, and this is what their theology was. Their theology was, of course, first of all, that they were superior to everybody else. They were the chosen people of God, and God blessed them and protected them and kept calamity from them. And in fact, if calamity did fall, it was a good indication that God was judging you in particular because although you may have been a part of a people that were generally under the blessing of God, you must be an awful sinner because something bad has happened to you. And that was their, their theology, their thinking about calamity. If something bad happens to you, something must be bad wrong with you. That thing goes all the way back to Job. You understand Job, he had calamity strike his life. You remember him. His family was killed while they were worshiping God. They were all slaughtered. An awful tragedy. And then some of his mates come around. There Eliphaz says in Job chapter 4 verse 7, he says, Whoever perished being innocent, or where were the righteous cut off? This thinking goes all the way back to patriarchal times. Job, why would God allow this to happen to you? If you're righteous, something must be wrong with you. There's some sin in your life. It goes on in chapter 8, chapter 22. I'll read a verse to you here in Job 22. And this really encapsulates the whole, uh, the entire theology that the Jews held in this time. And this morning, you may have your own thinking about why tragedies happen. You may have your own understanding and your own theology. Maybe you share the same theology with the Jews. I'm not sure. But this morning in our text, we're going to look at what the biblical theology and the biblical viewpoint of tragedy is. But here in Job chapter 22... And in uh, verse number 4 and 5, it says, Will he reprove thee for fear of thee? Will he enter with thee into judgment? Is not thy wickedness great, and thy iniquities infinite? Job, there's something wrong with you. You must be sinning. John chapter 9, disciples asked the Lord, Who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? That was their thinking automatically. Something, There's some sin in that person's life. That's why they're going through that tragedy. Now, I'm not minimizing. There are built-in judgments to sin. Understand, if you're an alcoholic, you're going to probably die of a liver disease. All right? If you smoke, you're probably going to you know, have some kind of uh, cancer or problem with your lungs. If you're a criminal, you're probably going to die in a shootout. All right? So there's different built I'm not talking about individual. We're talking about collective tragedies. We're talking about airplanes that, that, uh, that crash and on board are Christians. On board, there could be some immoral people. But collectively, it's a tragedy. You think of Pompeii there in Italy. If you visit there to, uh, today, you'll be able to see evidence of a life, a street full of sin, brothels and prostitution and so forth. But you also see little babies there, little children, little families that were killed in that volcanic eruption. You say, well, what was that all about? Why did these things happen? What's the message God has for us in tragedy? What's the point? What is God trying to say? And Jesus Christ answers that very question in our text this morning. Luke chapter 13. Luke 13. Let's read verse 1 through 5 again. I'll give you some uh, background information on chapter 12. Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. 
there were present at that season some that had told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffer such things. I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Are those eighteen upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them? Think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwell in Jerusalem? I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Now, let's give you a little background here of what's happening. Uh, chapter 12 is a, a long discourse of Christ teaching his disciples, the crowds of people, and he's uh, calling them to himself. It's an evangelistic thrust in chapter 12. Up until you get to about verse 53, there's a bit of an invitation happening there. And then verse 54, Christ ch- uh, he changes gears. He says in verse 54 of chapter 12, And he said it also to the people, When you see a cloud rise out of the west, straightway ye say, There cometh a shower, and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, ye say, There will be heat, and it cometh to pass. So what Christ is doing here, there was an invitation, now there's an indictment. All right? Uh, the Jews, understand, they rejected Christ. They wanted more signs. They wanted, and Christ is saying, You know what? Verse, the very next verse here, he said, Ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky with minimal evidence of the, of the earth, but how is it that ye do not discern this time? This time. You say, what time is that? Turn to Luke chapter 4. And I know I'm getting a bit off trail here this morning, but it's a bit of a foundation to understand what's happening in chapter 13. Luke chapter 4. And speaking of this time, what time is it? You know, it's not the time 1038 this morning. What, what time, what era is Christ talking about? Luke chapter 4. Uh, we'll read a few verses here um, to get a bit of foundation. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. And he, Christ, came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for a read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written... This is what Christ read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance of the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. I love this. And he closed the book. He gave it again to the minister and sat down. All right, so Christ read the scriptures, gave the book over, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. (laughs) Guys, what is read to you? I am he. I am he. I'm the one Isaiah preached about. I'm the one. You're looking at him. And I I just, uh, (laughs) it's comical how they they respond to this. Verse 22, And all bear witness and wonder at the gracious words which he proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? Well, what a nice young man. <laughs> they missed the point. They totally missed, and they missed the point all through their ages. They, they missed it. You flick it back to chapter 12, the Jews missed the fact that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. They missed it. So you guys can discern, you see a cloud in the, in the sky, you know it's going to rain. Minimal evidence. evidence. You, you, you feel south wind blow, you, you know it's going to be a, a warm, hot wind. But I've given you sign after sign after sign of who I am. I told you time and time again who I am. You guys rejected me. 
That's what's going on here. Verse number 57. Yea, and why even of yourselves judging not what is right? Look at your own self. Look inward. You're not judging what is right. Now, here is the base, the foundation for chapter 13. When thou goest with thine adversary to the magistrate, as thou art in the way, give diligence that thou mayest be delivered from him, lest he hail thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and the officer cast thee into prison. I tell thee that thou shalt not depart thence till thou hast paid the very last mites. All right, here, here's the topic at hand. It's judgment. And Christ is saying, as you go before the magistrate, basically what's happening, settle it out of court. Before you go to court, get it settled. And the message Christ is saying, guys, before you stand before God one day, get it settled out of court. You don't want to be facing the great white, great white throne judgment. Get it settled now. Accept me as your Savior. It's, it, you guys missed it. You missed it. All right, so the whole idea, the whole topic here is judgment. All right, judgment. I tell thee that thou shalt not depart thence till thou hast paid the very last might. Don't set it out of courts. You're going to pay the very dearest in a place called hell for all eternity. So get it set out of court. So the topic here is judgment. So that piques the interest of the people that he's speaking to. Then, then the people bring up, and we don't have all the, we don't have the actual question, but in Scripture, a lot of things are implied. And we see the implication here in verse number 1 of chapter 13. We get to our text here this morning. There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. So, the topic is judgment. All right, Christ, concerning judgment, how about these people here that were killed? Now, this event that took place here in verse number 1 would have made the Brisbane Times. Uh, it would have made the Jerusalem Gazette or the Jerusalem uh, Herald, whatever you want to call it. All right, it was, it was a recent event that took place there in a very horrible event. You think of a recent event that took place in our modern society recently, and you can equate that to what's taking place here. The first thing we look at this morning is what's called a temple tragedy. The temple tragedy. On the same occasion, the same occasion they were present at that season, some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifice. So what happened here? What was happening? Recently, it was Passover. And we understand who Pilate was. Pilate lit the fuse by his treatment to the Jews. All right, Jerusalem was under Roman authority. And here, Pilate hated the Jews. He hated them. And the Galileans were there at Passover. And they're offering sacrifices there at the only place you offer sacrifices at, at the temple. And the Bible says that uh, Pilate had mingled their blood with the sacrifice. Understand during Passover week, there have been tens of thousands of animals being slaughtered. Blood was everywhere. People from Galilee, all over, coming to that week to offer the sacrifices. And it was a, it was a, uh, it was a time of, of, of much bloodshed in worshiping the Lord. And here, it's very quite possible that when uh, the Galileans were there, they may have, in fact, maybe ran to the altar there at the temple, as Adonijah did back in First Kings, and held on as a, a token of safety and understanding the Roman soldiers were coming towards them and they were slaughtering them. We don't understand what all the details, details were taking place. But we know there's a massive slaughter that took place there at this time. 
And the Bible said that their blood mingled with the blood of the sacrifice. It was, a, it was an awful slaughter. You say, why did that happen? These were good, moral people. It should have been the Romans that were killed, not the Jews. But here we have an awful, awful tragedy at the temple. The temple tragedy. Their blood was mingled. It would have made top news. You would have got a uh, news alert on your phone. It was, it was a big deal. Thousands of people were killed there. How does that fit into God's judgment? How does that work? How does that work? This is a fresh event that took place there. And Christ is going to knock on the door of their own thinking. There in verse number 2. And Jesus answering. Alright, so he answered an implied question. There was something that they brought this subject of, of judgment to the Lord. And said unto him, unto them, suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things. He knew their thinking. He knew their theology. Guys, are you thinking that these guys were killed? This tragedy happened to good people because they were sinners? Because you were passed by by the Roman guards, by soldiers, because you weren't killed, do you think you're better than they are? It was Christ's answer. I tell you nay. No. So that maybe that's your thinking this morning. Maybe that's your theology. Again, the whole point of the message is thinking biblically in our Christian life. And how do we view tragedies in life? How do we view these things? How do we view these things, bad things happening to good people? I mean, you know, our flesh wants to see the wicked perish every day. And David says in the Psalms, the wicked prosper every day. So how, how does this all work out? How, how, how do we figure this out? We can't in our own minds justify this happening. I don't understand that. I don't understand it. The Jews brought this up. Lord, how can these people, innocent people, worshiping you at the temple, how can they be slaughtered? And their thinking was, you know, oh, they must be worse sinners than me. And Christ said, no. That's not what it is. That's not what it is. Number two, what I see here, not only the temple tragedy, let's read verse 18, sorry, verse 4, verse number 4, or those 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell. Understand now, this is a uh, the tower tragedy, the tower tragedy. Jesus again brings up a a front page happening. Not only were the people slaughtered recently at the temple, but there was a tragedy that happened where a tower fell. Now understand, this uh, this tower was uh, near the uh, Hezekiah's tunnel that brought in water from the outside of the city of Jerusalem. They're in the southeast corner, and uh, the Romans were great at building aqueducts, and they built an aqueduct within the city to transport the water. you got to have water to survive. It's, it's amazing, even today, you think of towns, even towns out west, they're always located near a water source. You gotta have water is life. They gotta have water inside the city. So the Romans built an aqueduct to bring the water. Uh, Hezekiah's tunnel brought the water into the city, and then the aqueduct transported that water throughout the whole city. And there was a tower. We're not sure what it was used for. It, maybe for observation to to watch maybe uh, criminals trying to infiltrate through the tunnel. It was a watchtower type of place, or maybe a maintenance tower. We're not for sure. 
but it's a tower that they were building and some scaffolding that was there, and the tower fell on 18 people. It was a random thing. I think we had something happen like that here in Brisbane of the crane or recently last few months or things happen all the t- like this all the time. Just random. So what happened there? These, this tower was standing there and all of a sudden it fell. It fell down. And 18 people upon whom the tower slowly fell and slew them. It, it killed them. It killed them. Think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? Were they worse sinners? They just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. You ever hear that phrase before? They'd be in the wrong place at the wrong time. But we don't know where that's at. We have no idea. We have no clue. This tower simply fell on those innocent people. We don't know who was there. There could have been some unsaved people. There could have been some Christians, some children. We don't know. But 18 people, 18 innocent people going about their day's business, this tower fell on them and killed them. So what's the message in that? What's God's message in that? Why did that happen? Were they sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? And what does Christ say again? I tell you nay. That's not the reason. That's not the reason. You say, okay, well, what is the reason? What is the reason for these tragedies happening? Why do these things happen? Why did those people get slaughtered? Why did, why did this tower fall on these innocent people? That's not the question. Here's the crux of the message here this morning. Here's the, uh, here's the climax. Here, here's the point I want to bring across is this. We need not ask the question, why does God allow these things to happen? The question is this. The question is, what kind of a God lets anybody live? Now, I don't want to paint a picture of some, you know, mean God. But understand, the Bible says that the wage of sin is death. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. What kind of a God allows us to live on his planet that he created? Breathe his air. I know kind of God. He's a gracious God. He's a loving God. The fact that you're here this morning, you're sitting up, breathing, hopefully awake. That you're here this morning, healthy, is a blessing from God. So I have aches and pains. Yeah, welcome to the club. We all have them. You say, life's getting hard. Welcome to the club. As you get out with life, things get more difficult. But the fact that God allows us to be here this morning is a blessing. It's His gracious. It's His long-suffering. The Bible says in the book of Lamentations, it is of His mercies that we are not consumed. Understand that God is graceful. He's merciful. He's long-suffering. The fact that we're here this morning alive is a testimony of His graciousness. The question to ask yourself is this. What kind of a God lets anybody live? We all deserve to die. But instead, God lets us live and really live. You know, we live, we love, we laugh, we enjoy life. Christ said that He came to give us life, to live life more abundantly. I thank the Lord He's given men, mankind wisdom to build amusement parks, and uh, not only for the kids, but for myself. I love going to the movie world and having a good time, and, and you know, men's wisdom to build these things and to uh, enjoy life and to eat all types of food. We're well, right ahead off on a bit of an anniversary trip for our 20th, and we're heading to uh, Tokyo, and I've heard from Brother Andrew that that's the place you want to eat. That's the place to eat. Is uh, you want to get you know some good food, a good place to eat there. And I'm looking forward to that. Just being able to enjoy the different types of food guys provided for us. And it's a blessing. It's an encouragement it, 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 to be able to live life to its fullest. And 
Ecclesiastes in a whole other sermon. But King Solomon says, yes, you know, uh, just live life to the fullest. And God's given these things for us to enjoy. It's God's graciousness. It's God's mercy, His long-suffering, that He allows us time to repent. And that's the message here. And those other two verses, we didn't finish reading those verses, verse 3 and 5. I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. If you're alive this morning and you're here, God's giving you more time to repent. You say, well, I, I'm already saved. I'm a Christian already. I'm thankful that you are. Maybe some of you here this morning are not, are not Christians. You're not a follower of Jesus Christ. You haven't asked the Lord into your, into your life to be your Lord and Savior. You say, what does that mean to repent? God's given us time to repent. To change your mind. To change your mind. I'll read a verse to you in uh, Philippians chapter number 3. And uh, this is uh, really encapsulates uh, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul here in Philippians chapter number 3. And uh, this is his testimony. Verse number 4, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3, verse number 4. Though I might have also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. I understand what Paul was. He was a Pharisee of all Pharisees. He trusted in himself. He trusted in, he, he said, guys, you think you're trusting your flesh? I'm trusting my flesh more. I'm all about me. All about my pedigree, which it follows with that in verse number 5. And here's his pedigree. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. He counted himself blameless. He was a Pharisee, like Nicodemus, like him, a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews. He thought he had it all. Nicodemus, like Paul, was, was the teacher, was the teacher, of his, the master of Israel. He thought he had it all. There's his pedigree. Concerning zeal, verse number 6, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those, were, those I counted lost for Christ. These things I trusted in for eternal life, for salvation, for a home in heaven, for a walk with the Lord. I trusted in these things, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for what? The excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffer the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Paul says, look, I trusted all these things, but... In my mind, I need to repent. I need to change my mind about that. We know the story of Acts chapter 9 of Paul meeting Christ on the road to Damascus. It's hard for the Paul to kick against the pricks. It's hard. You've been, you've been kicking. You've been fighting. You've been fighting me for so long. And there he surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ on the road. And Paul says, all that was dung. That was rubbish. That was, that, that was just a waste what I was trusting for. And I swapped that around. My, my win column became my lost column. My lost column became a win column. And I traded all that for the Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, that's repenting. That's what it is in a nutshell. And maybe this morning you haven't done that. 
This morning, if you are a Christian, let me encourage you to, to have this perspective. Have a biblical perspective of tragedy that happens all around us all the time. I read something to you from Spurgeon, said in a sermon in 1861. This is after a train wreck happened and uh, back 100, 160 years ago. There in England, Spurgeon said this, As I look for a moment on the poor, mangled bodies of those who had been so suddenly slain, my eyes find tears, but my heart does not boast. Far from me be a boastful cry. God, I thank thee that I am not as these men are. No, no, no. It's not the spirit of Christ, nor the spirit of Christianity. Oh, we can thank God that we are preserved, yet we can say it is of your mercy that we're not consumed. And that right there, folks, is the biblical viewpoint of tragedy. Lord, and we see these things, we see things happening in, all around us, and, and innocent people dying, and, and, and kids, and just innocent children. Things happening. We live, we live in a dangerous world. It's, it's a sin-cursed world. Understand, it's a world dominated by the devil and his prince, the power of the air. Well, not, not always be that way. Understand that we're simply pilgrims passing through. We don't belong here. But while we are here on this earth, understand these things will happen. Will happen. And say, Lord, like Spurgeon said, you weep for those who weep. And as you, in ministry, a length of time, you understand as, as somebody who's a pastor and a missionary and so forth, a minister, you know that as a person, you only do so much for somebody. You can pray for them. You can think about it. You can send them gifts. But ultimately, the comfort must come from God. And as humans, we can only do so much for each other. And I'll say that, I don't say that to minimize prayer at all. But understand, when you go through things, we're there for those people. I'm not saying this fact. I'm saying let's get involved and, and, and help people and be there for them and comfort them and show them the Scripture and point them to the Lord. That's where true comfort comes from. That's where true strength comes from. That's where the true faith comes from is the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, maybe you faced a tragedy recently. Maybe you faced something and you don't understand why. I don't know anybody here. I don't know your background and, and what's the, what you've been going through. Understand God's gracious. Even John the Baptist, he doubted for a while. He said, Lord, are you the Messiah? Because I'm in a real bad predicament right now. I'm in prison unjustly, and, and I'm here. I don't understand. He was, he was doubting. You know, look, at we all we all come to the point of doubt in our life. We do. Lord, why has this happened? Where are you? And John the Baptist asked himself those same questions. And Christ was approached by his disciples and said, you tell John right now I'm doing these miracles right now. I'm performing these things right I do care for people. I, I am taking care of you. I am long-suffering. I'm gracious. This morning, maybe you're going through something. Maybe you're a Christian here this morning. And you're going through something, a tragedy in your life, a heartache. We have promised that God will never leave us nor forsake us. He's there. He's there. Maybe this morning, you're not a Christian. I don't know, again, this crowd of people you're visiting this morning, or maybe you've been coming for a long time, and you're not a Christian. Maybe you're like Nicodemus and Paul. Nicodemus approached the Lord. And uh, he was uh, there in John chapter 3. Nicodemus asked the Lord by night, the Bible says. And uh, he said, Lord, we know that uh, you're somebody special because nobody can do these miracles except God be with him. And we understand that you're a prophet. And uh, it's interesting how the Lord totally ignored that and went to the heart of the issue. And Nicodemus himself, like Paul, was trusting in his own works. 
And he was saying, Nicodemus, you need to go all the way back to the beginning and start again. You must be born again. That's a, a phrase that you maybe may or may not be familiar with, being a born-again Christian. That comes from that uh, chapter John, uh, John chapter 3. You must be born again, Nicodemus. Go all the way back to the beginning and start again. Because the spiritual birth is something that you have no part in. It happens to you, not by you. And may this morning, you've been trusting in something all your life for salvation, for eternal life. And you're seeking, you're looking, you're searching, yet you're trusting in the wrong things. The Bible says repent. Repent before it's too late. If you're here this morning and breathing, you're living, you have opportunity, you have time to change your mind. Understand once you draw your last breath, there's no going back. There's no going back. This morning, ask yourself, am I a Christian? Am I a born-again Christian? I've been born again. Am I a follower of Christ? Do I love Him with all my heart, mind, and soul? Maybe this morning you're a Christian. You are saved. You've been a Christian for a while, a long time. I pray it's been a bit of a, maybe an encouragement to you to help understand a bit about tragedies and calamities that happen in our life. Say, Lord, you, know, you give me more time. You give me more time. Thank you for your graciousness, your long-suffering, your mercy, and your grace. And uh, maybe it's, you know, I pray to the Lord this morning. Say, Lord, you know, I, I need to get back on track with you. And then it's, uh, as the Bible says, backslidden away from you and not following your word. I just encourage you to, to, to not only read God's word, but just Meditate upon it and think about it. And uh, I often tell people, you know, you say, how much do you, everybody has different ways of, of reading God's Word and, and, and uh, studying it. Some people have little tick boxes and schedules they follow, and other people have different routines they do. And, and uh, I just like to encourage people, you know, just, just read until you're full. And I usually eat until I'm full. Sometimes it's a bit too much, but you guys know, just eat until you're, you feel satisfied and full. And, Sometimes God's Word, and you read God's Word, you, you, you read a verse or two, and that's it. You, something the Lord spoke to you and encouraged you in that. Just, and stop. Just read until you're full and, and think about it. And, and, and what's the biblical perspective? How can I apply it to my life? And, you know, how can I start thinking biblically? Understand, we all have a viewpoint. We all understand life. We all look at life, relationships, circumstances, happenings, tragedies, calamities. And we have our own philosophy about it. Let me encourage you to look at life with biblical lenses. Take God's Word and apply it. Say, well, why is, why is you know, like Hollywood and different things going a certain direction? And, and I believe, you know, um, I believe things are wrapping up and, and we're in the end times and, you know, things are just uh, hurriedly in a hurried pace. Things are starting, a lot of momentum gaining in the world and if you look around and things happening and, and look at things with a biblical lens. Say, well, why is this happening? Was an answer for in God's word. And uh, again, if you're not, if you're here this morning and if you're not a Christian, please, please consider Christ today. Understand that uh, you know that's the biggest question you ever face in your life. What will you do with Jesus Christ? The Jews rejected him. You know, we all have we have freedom, individual choice. The choice is yours this morning. What will you do with Jesus? Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word.
Lord, as we go through this life day by day, walk one foot in front of the other, one step at a time. Lord, we're committed to walk in the Spirit. And Lord, we, we see things happening all around us and in life circumstances and sickness, Lord, tragedies. And, and uh, Lord, help us to, to look at these things with a biblical lens, Lord. Lord, you've given us your word for a reason. To trust it and live by it. To encourage us. Thank you so much, Lord, for the promises that are contained therein. And Lord, I pray you help us, Lord, as we do walk day by day, as we ask you for strength, for direction and guidance. Lord, thank you for your graciousness and your, and your loving kindness, Lord, and just the ability to, to rise this morning, to breathe your air, and to enjoy your sunshine here in the state and across the world, Lord. You bless us so many blessings. And Lord, we just uh, often pessimistic. We look at things with a, a cynical eye, Lord, and, and a humanistic eye, viewpoint. And Lord, I pray, help us, Lord, to look up to you. Help us, Lord, to adopt these things in our, in our Christian life and our walk day by day. And if somebody here is not saved, I pray, Lord, this morning they would consider you. Or they would think on you, Lord, and turn to you and have a change of mind in regard to you. Father, we just ask you, Lord, to bless this church. We thank you for it. For the name of my prayer. Amen. I'll call Pastor at this time. And... Well, praise the Lord. What a wonderful truth shared with us today. Thank you, Brother Jim, for sharing that with us. And uh, I appreciate the, the clarity with which you shared and, and, the, and the background and, and things as well. I pray today that if you have been touched in your heart about your need this morning, please don't leave without coming and having a conversation with us. It would be the greatest joy for any of us to be able to introduce you to the Lord Jesus Christ, the best thing that could ever happen to you. And if you're thinking through matters, um, the Lord might speak to you about personally. If you are a Christian this morning and the Lord would challenge you about getting some things right, well, I pray you'd act on that as well. And again, thank the Lord for bringing the heavilies today. Thank you, brother, for the message. Uh, isn't that uh, isn't that kind of in a very sober way? It's kind of comforting to know that things happen then like they happen now, and the same God had the answers then, who has the answers now. And the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, time and chance happens to all. We don't know what the next national tragedy would be. We'd all say we wish there wouldn't be one, but there will be. And we don't know. Sometimes we, we have these things before us. I know as a pastor, you do funerals. It's part of what you do. And uh, sometimes I've done funerals for those who lived a good long life, died peacefully in their sleep. But I've done funerals for children. I, I remember one particular baby I did a funeral for, a little, little child under the age of one who was playing at 7 a.m., contracted an illness, and by 7 p.m. was gone. And it can happen. And so that there's a great sober warning for us today uh, to not be looking outward and, and, and judging other circumstances, but to be looking upward and to be thankful that God has given us life. And don't tread underfoot his great mercy, his offer uh, to us. There's a few things worse than that, isn't there? When someone offers grace, mercy, kindness, long-suffering, and we mistreat it. And our great God who gave us the breath of life offers us eternal life and I pray this morning if you need that that you come see us after you, after we're finished and say I need to get saved I, I need to know Jesus we'd be glad to take the word of God and show you 
what the Bible tells about how you can know him as your Lord and Saviour. The best relationship you'll enter into and the best decision you'll make, as preacher said this morning. So thanks, brother, for the, for the message today. Well, in just a few minutes, we're going to uh, depart. And, uh, of course, we've got church tonight. I hope you can be here for that. Uh, Wednesday night, Lord willing, Pastor Shemish is going to be preaching. Sorry, I just kicked your water bottle. I'm glad I didn't kick the bucket, okay? Uh, we can kick the water bottle there. Um, Pastor Shemish will be preaching Wednesday night, Lord willing. And then next weekend, uh, Pastor Lord Rock from Goa in India will be with us. And uh, I, I believe we're going to have a combined Sunday school time again next Sunday morning. And uh, he'll be doing our evening service next week. So I, I pray that uh, you'll pray for him. And we look forward to uh, time upcoming there as well. Um, after the service this morning, we have cake for Stephanie Voss. It's her birthday, her 30th birthday this week. So praise the Lord for that. And uh, we've just had cake every week lately, haven't we? So I don't know about you, but I'm going to go on a diet from cake. So uh, anyway, but not today, okay? So we're going to have cake afterwards. We thank the Lord for that. Um, next, I wanted to just to get the ushers to help if we could. We're going to hand something out to you this morning, and I'm going to make a comment or two, and then Andrew will come and close us today. So uh, fellas, can we go ahead and get that? Let's, um, let's come right down the front, and we'll hand this out. Uh, this morning uh, as well. And Andrew, I'll get you to talk through the online option as well, okay? Uh, so I'll get these guys down the front. Uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks' time, of course, the school holidays, and I know some folks are taking a break. When we get back after that during the third term, uh, I wanted to take some Wednesday nights in our Bible study and prayer time. I want to take some Wednesday nights next term to uh, teach some things on family life and we're looking to do this, um, a little bit of a format change for us. We, we at our recent staff retreat, uh, one of the issues that we raised together, there were a number of, we had probably six or eight people there, but it, it came up again and again was, Pastor, what can we do to try and strengthen families? And so we talked through a, a number of different options of how we go about that. Beyond just preaching and teaching messages uh, from the pulpit, what could we do? And I thought one of the things that we have in our church, and we thank the Lord for it, is that we have folks who have been married a long time and married a short time, folks who are not yet married and desire to be so, and folks perhaps that the Lord has not given that to them for this life as well. And I would like to involve uh, more of our own folks in sharing with other folks about their journey. So I've already approached some, haven't approached everyone yet, but we want to take some time to teach through and, and, and in a format that would allow people to ask questions and uh, talk to the nitty-gritty of some of the issues of family life. Uh, some of those might be about seasons and stages and some of those might be more personal. Uh, some of those might be about struggles and some of those might be about successes. And so we, we get this little handout this morning and I'm just asking if you could, it's anonymous, if, uh, if you could uh, be a part of that. If you, if you don't normally come Wednesday night, so we certainly want to welcome you to be a part of this as well. Uh, I think it'll be a, a wonderful time for us, and we'll explain more about it as we get closer. But it's just a little survey form today. If you would go ahead and uh, take a moment to just uh, share your age, your, your marriage status, and then there's uh, some options for some different teaching topics that uh, you might uh, might look at there. And there's also a list at the bottom and over the back for other. So you could enter in some that we might not have put there. Now, here's, here's what I'm going to ask you to do on the bottom part of this page. Could you number these at the bottom here in, in your order of preference um, because we're going to have probably over a period of four or five Wednesday nights these different topics being taught in different places at the same time. Okay, so we're going to have some 
uh, folks will rotate through different teachers who'll be who'll be sharing and in, in, uh, in some different couples and what as well. So I'd love to just get some feedback and we'll, we'll just work out what the general themes of things are there for that. So that'll be starting in uh, late July, early August, uh, but it gives us time to prepare and to talk with different people in the church who'll be involved with that. So if you could uh, go ahead and take a moment to do that, you can do that today. Uh, Andrew will mention the online option in just a minute. And then uh, before I hand over to Andrew and we go, again, don't forget, Kate, I um, want to welcome you again. Thank you for being with us, but also want to mention Pastor and Mrs. Senior here today. God bless you. Great to see you. And uh, I've always appreciate when you come to check up on Michael. That's good. Uh, it's a, it's re- regularly needed. So we're, we're glad that you're here. But uh, anyway, pr- praise the Lord. We appreciate that. And of course, Pastor and Mrs. Shemish are here today. We thank the Lord for them and uh, the Heavilies as well. And then, of course, you're here. So we're glad that you're here today as well. All right, Andrew, would you come and uh, just tidy that up, finish that off for us, and we'll go ahead and fellowship. And don't forget service tonight at 6 o'clock, church. Thank you and pray you have a good day. Thanks. Thanks, Pastor. As Pastor said, uh, you have the survey in front of you that you can fill out. You can hand that into the connection point or put it in one of our offering boxes uh, today or over the next week. But there is also an online... Um, website we're gonna get the guys to put that up so baptist.com.au slash survey that'll take you straight to this exact same survey that you can just do on your phone or on your computer Um, and what we're asking you might have seen on that survey already is pretty much everyone from 13 and above so teenagers you're involved in this as well we want to give some teaching on marriage and families and all that as well so uh, what I'm going to do right now is actually send a text message to everyone that we have a mobile phone number for so I just press send you'll get a message in a minute It'll have that form, the link to that form, straight on your phone. Uh, if you don't, if we don't have your phone number for some reason, then you can just ask the guys down at the connection point, and we can put you into our database as well. But basically, just pop your details in. You can choose your options, number your your uh, your topics from you know one to whatever you have there, and uh, then we can put some things together and help uh, strengthen families, strengthen marriages. Uh, as we spoke, as Pastor said, we had uh, this discussion over our staff retreat. And I, for one, think that this is something that's going to be very helpful for our families in the church, uh, but not just the church. Uh, this is something that you can bring people to because we all know somebody that's married, looking to be married, or has questions about marriages. Um, and it's something that you can invite people to and just say, we're having a few-week seminar. And that's something that visitors will probably come to because it's something that is on their heart, something they're looking for help for. And uh, we're coming, as Brother Heavily said this morning, from a biblical perspective on marriage. Not just our own ideas, but what God says about it. He's the one that set it up. Uh, So I would have loved this kind of teaching before I got married. Uh, My marriage is perfect now, but uh, (laughs) because I have the best wife ever. Um, No, just kidding. but in all seriousness, I would have loved—I would have loved to have something like this before I got married. And uh, so, obviously, I'm talking to the younger guys and younger ladies as well. But hey, we, we can all benefit from something like this. So, please take take some minute just to, to put those things in that form, and uh, that'll be a real help and help us minister to you uh, more effectively. So, that's it from us this morning. Thanks, church. Uh, as Pastor said, six o'clock tonight is our service. Next week, Pastor Lordson Rock will be here. So, some great things happening. Uh, Enjoy your cake, enjoy some coffee, and uh, we'll see you tonight. Thanks, church.